we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 177 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams for Tech Tuesday. How you doing today, Bruce? Healthy and alive. Doing well. Last week, we talked about... I'm glad to hear it, by the way. Last week, we talked about... Uh, what was it? The uh, the congressional uh, UFO thing. You want to lead off with that because you've got something new on it. Yeah, so... There was a, a fun one I was seeing that um, apparently UFOs once took control of Russian ICBMs and nearly caused World War III, according to a testimony. What year was this? Uh, well, this was a recent testimony the year that this happened. They're not being very forthcoming with the year. So let me get this straight. Uh, uh, a UFO piloted by lizard humans. Yep was about to take control of Russian ICBMs and launch them against us, which would have caused a retaliatory strike and we would have been in thermonuclear World War Three, according to yep. this. Yep. According to this, you know, again, this is not very forthcoming on when the year. This is uh, apparently a testimony that this happened. And apparently, not only uh, did they get control of these ICBMs, but they also scrambled fighters, the, the Russians, and the fighters fired upon the UFO. And that's what ended up releasing the controls, if you will, uh, the ICBMs. Uh-huh. And they shot it down and it crash landed in Roswell? As far as they... No, so they didn't say they shot it down. They just said that they... Oh. Uh, they, they shot at the UFO. The, the Russians UFO, shot it down. Well, the UFO disappeared. Uh, oh. And the launch control system shut down. Uh -huh. So, yeah. You know, uh, these launch control systems, at least at the Russian side of things, from what I've seen, because they do these like mock-up videos and stuff and, and show all this stuff, you know, you really don't need very high-tech stuff in order to launch a weapon, you know, launch a missile. You don't. And it's purposely done that way. So if you look at something that they have in one of these areas, it's it looks like a whole bunch of Cold War era stuff because you don't need anything more than the simplistic stuff to do it. And it also causes problems where if there's a malfunction with a higher tech piece of equipment and it needs to work, those modern advancements sometimes aren't the most reliable things in the world. They have a lot of 
problems, software, glitches, this and that. And so they try and keep it simple. So you're saying that back then, this supposed whatever got a hold of that launch initiation procedure and was automating it or remotely controlling it from somewhere else. And it's a good thing that they stopped it in time. Otherwise, we would be living in a different world. Well, according to um, Colonel Boris Sokolov. Uh-huh. Okay. He says that. There are no less than 45 different incidents where Russian fighter jets had clashed with UFOs. Uh-huh. With three of those incidents having Russian jets crashing, resulting in two deaths of pilots. Uh-huh. The incident with the ICBM, uh, that was a ICBM base in Ukraine, uh-huh. which is probably why this story has any kind of relevance to... The news now is because it's Ukraine, so more information about Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. And well, blah, to be blah, fair, you know. the Ukrainians were actually their rocket engineers during the Cold War. Apparently, according to the testimony, UFOs appeared over the base, performed astonishing maneuvers in front of stunned eyewitnesses, and then somehow took control of the launch system. The missiles were aimed at the U.S. and were suddenly fired up. Launch control codes were somehow entered, and the base was unable to stop what could have initiated World War III. Then, just suddenly, the UFOs disappeared and the launch controls launch control system shut down. After these incidents, the Russian uh, defense military supposedly issued a hands-off order for UFOs. Now, in this, they're talking about Sokolov has said, Sokolov, whatever, has said that the Russians had started a UFO investigation that spanned at least 10 years and has every single branch of the Russian military, every echelon, as it says in the article, has been investigating this um, UFO, whatever. Well, I'd look forward to their results, to be fair. Make a great book, I think. Yeah, it looks like since 19... Oh, no, that's that's ours. Okay. Yeah, they didn't actually give a year, interestingly enough, on when this happened. Um, I'm guessing it was back in the 1960s or somewhere in that vicinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would oh, have that's been... Bad. Yeah, that, that's when all the hubbub about Roswell started. It, well, it was before that, but then this started to pick up during the Cold War. I think it just... It sounds like Cold War propaganda, doesn't it? It, it very well could be this... Could have been honestly. It could be a cover up too of of a test launch yeah, that they did. Yeah, and we're and we're talking about it now. Why now? Why now? Why why wait all this time and then bring it out now? Are well, you going to wait sixty years later and then bring it out? Yeah, I, I'm I'm assuming that's when this happened because uh, some of the dates that they talk about in here is the '60s, but then it goes to talk about things that happened in the early 2000s and then the mid 2000s and now recently. Uh, the most recent incident uh, that they've talked about here is July of last year. Um, nah, sorry. I don't buy it. And especially, you know, coming out of the, the Russians love to throw us a propaganda story from time to time, don't they? They've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Uh, until and when it comes to these aliens and, and this nonsense, until they bring out a functioning UFO, one of these flying saucers or triangles or whatever the hell it is, until they bring one of them out. They're levitating under their own power with technology that is far superior to our own and start doing, uh, you know, crazy maneuvers that we can't do with our craft until they bring that out and start showing everyone uh, this tech with with a human pilot inside that's doing maneuvers that that pilot should not be able to survive. Until I see that, I'm not going to believe anything about this UFO nonsense. Uh, And and in fact, even even (laughs) 
even if they bring that stuff out, I'm still going to be super skeptical because there's things that we don't understand with uh, quantum physics and things we don't understand with uh, gravity that it's possible that we, we have some technological breakthroughs in materials and uh, particles that maybe we understand gravity a little bit better and can create Star Wars terms like a dampening field or something like that, that uh, inertia dampeners that you know, a pilot can take a, you know, 100 G turn and it not affect the craft and not affect him because what he feels in the craft is zero G's. So until we see something like that, I, I just this is this is just propaganda. Do you remember the incident that took place at one of our secret design facilities in Lockheed uh, a while back. I want to say it was last year sometime. Or two, maybe it was, it's been almost two years ago now. This, and for the benefit of the listener, this is uh, something that was brought out of the skunk works of Lockheed Martin, and it has similarities to what you're describing. It's in the form of a um, it's almost a, it's, it's like a disc, you know, kind of stealthy kind of stuff, but it was loaded onto the back of a, of an 18 wheeler and nobody covered it up. Now this could also just be a, you know, a thing that's thrown out there for deception, but there was that and that made a headline for a day and then disappeared. It's possible that that craft that they're pulling there is what's meant to go in inside of a wind tunnel to get aerodynamic testing. True. That is true, um, yes. That, that's very possible what that is, because it looks very similar to some of the experimental craft that they've been working with that are stealth um, drones. That said, it could just be because they know, being a business, that there's a lot of talk about aliens, that they just happen to have someone recording an 18-wheeler pullout with this craft on the back of it, and then posting it out there in a leak and getting their name associated with, you know, alien tech and all. And so Lockheed is is now has more free publicity because of this alien stuff. That could be all it is at the same time. Could be. Yeah. Either way, we uh, we just don't know. I mean, could be just paper mache and they just put yeah. a nice paint job on like it. Like I said, it could just be a you know cardboard tube, as we like to accuse the North Koreans mm. of. What do you think of that parade, by the way? Yeah, that was a great parade. Uh, lots of uh, cardboard tubes. Now, I tend some to of the think, vehicles... I tend to think a couple of them aren't, because they could have just yeah. as easily been picked up from the Russians or the Chinese. They could have given them to them. It, that's very... Po In fact, all of those could be functioning, thanks to the Russian or Chinese. The vehicles themselves, they actually look real. They look like they're made of at least aluminum, at the very least, um, whether or not it's steel. I don't know, because Chinese aren't great with steel. And I don't know that the Russians are either, because they got our steel. So maybe they're only good with steel because they take our formula. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, definitely interesting watch. Some of the hardware they had there was not necessarily advanced, uh, but could those do some damage. Drones. Those new drones they had, boy, those looked awful familiar. Interesting piece of technology they got their hands on there. It does look like a uh, drone that we had from about 15 years ago or so that was more commonly used in the Middle East. Uh, it does look kind of like a Reaper drone. Very, very similar. Now, I wonder mm. how they got that technology. Couldn't be, couldn't be that we gave it to them or that no, they stole it no, or anything like no, that. No, it's not like the Iranians. Mm. It's not, we, we didn't give them that either. You know, the, no. the Sentinel drones. We didn't give them that. No, no. In fact, we didn't have a malfunction 
and it land at one of their airfields. No, no, goodness, no, they, they brought it down with an EMP. Right, yeah, because if you brought a drone down with EMP as it's traveling at, uh, you know, mission height, so we'll say 20,000 feet just for the sake of it, because they travel pretty high up there. You hit it with EMP, okay, so it's now tumbling at 20,000 feet from 20,000 feet to the ground, because mm -hmm. avionics, everything is shot. Everything's done. Mm -hmm. 20,000 feet. Yes. Uh, terminal velocity uh, for a human is somewhere around 200 uh, miles per hour, I believe. Um, that would be um, enough to cause that craft to turn into a pancake. Well, I think you're misunderstanding. You see, when you hit it with an EMP at 20,000 feet, it makes a perfect three-point landing on an airport tarmac. Yeah. Mm. At a military base. It, it makes a at perfect a landing. Base. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, except none of the controls work. Everything's shot. So... Well, that's, see, it, it, when they have it, their, their EMPs work. are so sophisticated, though, Bruce, that they can guide it, you see, into the perfect landing. Yeah, I, I will say there is a there is one case that I could argue that they did steal it. I, I could make an argument that says they overwhelmed the drone's communication system because it, it still has to communicate and were able to overpower that with a stronger signal so that they could. Uh, basically change its mission. Yeah, hack the controls. Yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, I basically. see what you're saying there. Yeah, that is possible. That is entirely possible. Well, well, it's just one of those things. You know, we just don't know. It's just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, moving right along, Elon Musk and the city of San Francisco are not getting along, are they? Yeah, so people don't seem to be taking... Uh, they don't really seem to like the whole X. They don't, they don't seem to be taking that on... Uh, it's all over the app stores. I saw it in there today. You know, the, the black uh, square or circle with the, the white X thing going through it. It's, yeah. 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 They don't really seem to be liking that all that much. Uh, so what Musk did is, you know, uh, businesses tend to do have signs representing their product or logo or what have you. He did one of those on top of his um, headquarters there in San Francisco or the offices, I guess, uh, and put an X up there and uh, looking at the photograph, it looks like it's steel and uh, light bulbs and everything. Uh, it doesn't look like the argument that they're having San Francisco, they find him because they said it's um, a risk. Yeah. They say dozens of complaints rolled in about the sign and an investigation into implementation was conducted is, is basically the, the problem. So basically you had a bunch of left leaning basement dwellers uh, social justice warrior types that were offended that they were fired from Twitter because they were too radical. Seeing that they put a new sign up there, knowing that San Francisco is a left-leaning city, said, oh, boo-hoo, uh, this thing is unsafe because there's a, a giant light on top of the mm -hmm. building. Yeah. I, I think that's what happened. They removed the sign on Monday evening and blah, 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 building permits and all that fun stuff and what have you. Um, that's some of the arguments that San Francisco is uh, going after them for. Why they still have an office there in San Francisco is beyond me, but yeah, they do. I don't know why these businesses continue to do business corporation-wise. I don't know why they stay there. Why do you stay in, in California? Why do you stay in, in Washington? Why do you stay in Portland? I mean, these businesses, a lot of them, they're starting to get the hint. They're starting to, to pull up shop. They're realizing that this is it's just ridiculous. The state government out there, are they're rocketing you into the poorhouse, not to use a SpaceX analogy, but that's what's happening. Honestly, so I, I don't know why. Well, SpaceX is obviously... They, they moved to Texas, obviously, yeah. but that, that's kind of more of a equator kind of, of thing. All of Tesla moved to Texas, though, didn't he? Yeah. 
I, I think they moved. Well, not all of it, because obviously some of the yeah they still have some manufacturings in China. Yeah, yeah. But well, I I wouldn't be in China. But the thing about uh, SpaceX being in in Texas that is a I mean that is a thing. Um, yeah. Why do you think our our mission control is in Houston, right? It, because of the, yeah. the the way that it's just it works better there. Um, yeah. As a matter yeah. of fact, I saw something. And stuff. Yeah, I saw something today. Trump had ordered, I want to say he signed a deal when he was still in office about moving something to Huntsville. We have a NASA thing in Huntsville, Alabama, mm-hmm. and Biden has now gone back on that. Yep. And so that's now, yeah, that's now changing in the, the uh, Alabama state legislature are not happy about that. Mm-hmm. So apparently there was some kind of like, I don't know, vote or something uh, because Alabama won the vote. And where it's being moved to, I think, is somewhere in Colorado. Colorado wasn't even on the list anywhere in the top, like, five uh, as one of the contenders. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. So is this supposed to be, like, our Space Force thing? Is that that what this was all about? Yeah, I think it's a... Yeah, I think it's the the headquarters for uh, Space Force or or something like that. Didn't they put... A, a stop to that entirely, though, didn't they? The, like, the Biden administration didn't they? Didn't they axe that whole program, though? I don't think so. They they axed some of the leadership, but I, I'm pretty sure I don't think they can. Well, technically, they can axe it. So I I, I don't think they can axe it. Okay, if you were to if you're to follow the rules, finger quotes, he can't axe it because the uh, employees are unfireable. As as the we've federal learned, employees. yeah, the federal yeah. employees. They they yeah. can they can't fire them, but they can reassign them. They can put them in other bureaucracies somewhere. So you'll get and, another job yeah. within the DOD, which is I think just about every damn thing these days. You'll get a yeah. job within DOD somewhere else, shuffling papers or whatever it is. You know, do you want to talk about one of the most useless waste? Let me put it this way. You want to talk about one of the most wasteful spending bureaucracies we have in America? The Department of Defense. Do you know what a trash man, just a trash man, the man that comes around or the woman that comes around and picks up the waste paper basket from underneath a desk and puts it into a bigger can and then takes it down and puts it into a bigger can. Just that. Do you know what they get paid on average a year? Take a guess, I'm going to guess they get at least $25 an hour, at least. They're so. getting they're getting six-figure salaries a year. Uh, I, I would say I'm in the wrong line of work, but then at the same time, I don't want to be affiliated with that because that's creating more of a problem. That, yeah. That, that's, We're paying hundred grand a year for somebody to take out the, the recyclable trash. I mean, now, granted, you have to have security clearances and everything else because of the sure. stuff that gets sure. thrown away. But still, we're paying hundred grand a year to take out the trash? And believe me, I'm not just talking about that from hearsay. I've actually gone on to U.S. government websites and I've seen these jobs advertised for that amount of money. It's ridiculous. And here I was thinking about those uh, jobs that I want to axe from the government, you know, the, the departments and whatnot. So you would have to restructure and move them around. Here I was thinking that that was the kind of job I was going to give them as custodian, you know, something like that or they're clean toilets a pay or cut. something. No, they're not taking a pay yeah. cut. They probably get the mm. pay increase. Yeah, you can put them in uh, your second favorite. Yeah, you could put them in your second favorite uh, bureaucracy. You could put them in the Bureau of Land Management or the Department of Agriculture. That's true. In fact, actually, that might be a fun one. Uh, a bunch. Actually, you, you could use that to my advantage, if you will. Um, the the intent was uh, my line of thinking was you would move their position to something like uh, uh, this is getting off topic of tech, but this was fun. I'm petty like this. You take 
and move them to a different uh, job, like cleaning toilets, as an example, and just make their job a living hell compared to what they originally had. So they quit. And then you don't have to fire them. They just quit. You just manage so them out, yeah. you just manage them out. So in this case, you're moving them to, uh, you know, Bureau of Land Management or something like that. So uh, you take a bunch of office workers, paper pushers, you then throw them into the field and say, you need to go and get water samples and dirt samples from, I don't know, something like uh, Death Valley. That'd be a fun one this time of year. You know, something like that. So they end up quitting their job. That's a good point. All right, last topic here. Uh, the FBI have been investigating a spying tool, and guess what they discovered upon their investigation? They made it. They used the spy tool. <laughs> You're <laughs> close. They used the spy tool that they were investigating on. Yeah. Uh, an inquiry <laughs> an inquiry into the FBI, into a government contractor using, uh, the, is, using Israeli spy software to monitor U.S. citizens has discovered it was doing so on behalf of the FBI itself. <laughs> Reporters discovered that the landmark spy software developed, in, uh, developed by Israel's NSO group, blacklisted by the Biden administration as a national security threat in 2021, had been purchased and deployed by government contractor Riva Networks later that same year. It now transpires that one of Riva's, Riva's network's clients was the FBI. The FBI claims that it had no clue that the contractor was using Landmark to geolocate U.S. citizens in Mexico without their consent. They, you see, they didn't know. They were completely oblivious to that fact. Director Christopher Ray has since canceled the contract. You see, he he's he's cleaned all that up. You see, there's there's no there's no exposure, no liability. Mm. Yeah. The government lawyers that were responding to the efforts by the New York Times, of all things, uh, had tried to sue the FBI for the documents related to the Bureau's purchase of NSO tools and documents about the Bureau's relationship with Riva Networks. And they told the courts that the FBI's relationship with the contractor should be protected from scrutiny because they either already do or may in the future offer other products used for investigative purposes. So this is another good reason why you should look into getting a crypto phone, you know, using like Graphene OS as an example for your phone. Get you a newer Pixel and uh, slap that mm -hmm. on there and uh, de-Google your phone and make it as painful as possible for the government to track you. You know, I was speaking of that, I, uh, I had to do a little workaround today. I tried the Google Sandbox services because I, I had to, because I needed a, a specific service to work and it doesn't work without it. And I have Google in a little glass box to kind of put it into perspective. It's partitioned and it's just kind of hanging out over there. Think, think about it like, uh, do you know what Faraday cage is? Yeah, of course you do. You know what a Faraday cage is. So it's a, a thing that's, it's an area that's sealed, right? There's no signals in or out except for a hard line that goes in. And that's your only form of communication. And so it's it's like a one-way phone call, if you will. So whenever something happens inside that glass box, a notification will jump across the partition and say, uh, hey, there's something going on over here. You need to go take a look. That I'm okay with because you have control over it. That I'm fine with. But other than that, no, Google can go kick rocks. Yeah, my understanding, I, I did a quick, uh, uh, where we were talking about that, I did a quick browse on how that works. And basically all it's doing is it's telling the it, it's creating a guide for that software on how to continue functioning when it can't contact Google. That's kind of like putting it in layman terms on, on what it's doing. But in a, in a very basic sense, it's showing it 
how to continue functioning and not crash the app when it doesn't have access to those things. So it still functions as it's supposed to without sending any data to Google. And it's very, very, um, how do I put it, particular when you try and, and go through. So particular, in fact, that when you're piecemealing the install of Google Framework services in that glass box, in that, that sandbox, as they, as they call it, when you're doing that, it actually requires you to take other steps within that because it still won't work. I don't think people realize just how much, and I was, I was talking to Marty about this earlier today, I don't think people realize just how much of a stranglehold Google and Apple have over the software market, not the hardware market, that's bad enough, but the software market. It is almost a monopoly in a sense because you cannot find applications. Uh, there are some, there are few and far between, but you cannot find applications that you can individually install. Apple, this is completely out of the question. Google or Android, at least it gives you the ability to, to customize it and do what you want with it at its base. But speaking of Android, you still need, in most cases, you still need the Google services to be able to push you notifications for that application to respond properly. Otherwise, it won't work. I tried this with an application earlier today that I'm I'm kind of, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of dependent on it because I, I need it for a specific purpose. And it does not work. It just does not work without Google push services. It has to have that token. But some software companies, Threema is one of them. I cannot recommend that application enough for people. Threema is one of those applications that will operate independently without Google services. Telegram is another one. You have to go to their website and get their APK. And there's a number of others. You can get Signal from their website as well. That'll operate without uh, Google push services. But some of these other applications, they just will not work. Even though they don't require any sign-in information from you, they don't take any information from you, they still rely on the code in that software to be able to use Google to push you notifications. Otherwise, it won't work. You won't even be able to load the application. And so this is this is where I agree with the, the sandbox idea where you just kind of, you know, you have it sealed up over there and it, it just does its thing. And with the partition, and now you have with Graphene, which is a great update, that they pushed a couple of months ago, they have what are called uh, cross-profile notifications. So if something happens over where you have uh, Google services in its little box, it'll say, hey, you've got a notification over there, you need to go check. And you can get to it when you when you need to. So in that sense, I'm okay with it because you know it's not intrusive. You're, you're allowing it to your comfort level where you want it to be. Yeah. And I, like I said, I encourage people to look into this. It sounds complicated. It sounds difficult, but there's a lot of documentation on this. It's pretty straightforward to set it up and the phone functions more or less the same as it would uh, with, with Google services minus the Google services. So yeah, just uh, if you're interested in it and you're looking at getting a new phone, looking at getting uh what is it? A pixel? Is it a pixel? Which which version only pixel? Only pixel devices. So anything? Well, yeah, but uh, the, the I would say one, yeah, the, I would go six and above now. So yeah. the five is the five will run out this year. It'll still work. So the five, the four, and and so on, those will still work. Uh, they will eventually get to the point where they will stop supporting them entirely. But they can't guarantee the security features past a certain point. Uh, so you'll have to upgrade. But I would say right now. If you get a Pixel 6, I think, or a Pixel 6 Pro or, or one of those, if you get one of those, then I think that is supported. I think they've said that'll be supported all the way up until 2025 or 26. So you should be fine with that. 
Uh, but the sevens, I noticed this past week, I was looking at the uh, the seven A. Uh, I'm not looking for an upgrade right now. Probably next year I'll get one because mine will run out by the end of the year. Um, but or my security whatever will run out by the end of the year. Uh, but I should probably get another year or two out of it. But the Pixel Seven A, I think it was, is around four ninety nine right now, which is a really decent price for a new Pixel phone, and that'll last you probably five years worth of software updates and security concerns. And phones nowadays aren't designed to last more than you know two to four years anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And people would be surprised the amount of life you get out of a phone without all the bloat, right? Without all the junk and the garbage and, and the extra software and the tracking and everything else that's embedded in it. I can get a, to this day. I've had this phone for what going on four years now. I can still get a week out of my battery a week and that's using it. So that's pretty good. I have to say I'm, I'm doing that's, once a week charges. So that's, that's yeah. That's incredible. Anyway, all right, we're going to go ahead and call this one done. Thank you for being here today, my friend. Thank you to all the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.